0: Hello everybody, I hope you're all having a good night, and welcome to another episode of Clancy Pasta. I've been meaning to get out a podcast the last uh, couple few days, but life is, uh, you know, life's just gotten in the way. So I'm going to be putting out all the ones I have here in uh, one longer video, and I hope you guys enjoy it. The first story tonight is about a roofer who has a very strange experience on the job. Uh, it's called The Scariest Thing That Happened to Me as a Roofer by Rick the Intern. The next one is about a group of friends who run into, uh, we should say, just quite a strange situation uh, while hiking in the woods. The story is called I Followed Some Mushrooms While Hiking, Now I'm Going to Die by John Queroza and The Longest Story of the Night, and this one had a very, very journal, early, creepypasta feel in a lot of ways. It felt very personally written, like something you'd actually find on a forum of some kind, or something like that, and uh, it's called Mermaids Aren't What You Think They Are by Chesburger22. And uh, if you're listening on any of the podcasting apps, this episode is completely ad-free. So if you would like to help support this podcast and help me continue to do what I do, uh, I would totally appreciate it if you would go to the Patreon link in the description and uh, just check it out. Just one dollar a month can help out a lot. And you also get access to raw episodes uh, minus any possible ads or preambles like this, as well as some other rewards that you could check out there if uh, you're interested. Also, if there's ever any story that you've written that you'd like me to check out and read, you can always email me at the business email in the description, or post it to my subreddit. uh, I've started reading those a lot more, so I would love to check out what you guys have written. Alright, so without further ado, the first story of the night, The Scariest Thing That Happened to Me as a Roofer, written by Rick the Intern. I worked as a roofer for about three years, removing and installing shingles, tiles, and other materials on the tops of buildings. There can be some pretty scary things with a job like that, working high up and during the heat of the sun and the cold of winter, maintaining proper balance, checking for frost and dew that can make you slip, hauling up ladders and heavy bundles, using potentially dangerous tools, and so on. But let me tell you. The scariest thing that happened to me wasn't from any of those job hazards. I was working late one night. We rarely worked past sunset, but there was a residential job we were behind on that needed completing by the following week. My boss liked to say with such customers that they'd leapt into his ear and were tickling his brain they were calling and complaining so much. It was a Friday night, so none of my co-workers were up for working past the usual hours. But when my boss offered overtime pay and as I had some unpaid bills and debt, I couldn't pass it up. We rarely worked alone with a job like that. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it's against safety regulations to work alone as a roofer. Well, there I was, installing shingle on a new two-story home out in the country, working by myself on a property with lots of woodland and critters that I would have heard if I hadn't been making such racket. Because it had gotten late and my body was aching, I took a break and went to the little cooler I had up on the roof. The ice water, the sports drink had been in caused me a shiver. I switched off the portable work light and took my sports drink and sat at the edge of the roof. I remember that, with the work light off and this far away from the city, I could see the stars so well it was like they had been amplified. I felt like I could just about lose myself in the deep of the sky and float up off the roof and far into space. Towards places I couldn't even imagine. At first, it felt good, but pretty soon I got a little sick with vertigo. To steady myself, I looked back at the roof. I saw a figure on the roof with me. It was about 20 or so feet away and nearly parallel to me by the edge. Thinking back on it now, what it felt like was when you were a kid and you'd woken up in the dark of your room and saw a shape in the corner. You desperately try to identify it without stirring. Was it some everyday thing that you had forgotten was there, like a chair with a coat over it? I tried to think about what that shape could be. I knew the roof didn't have a chimney, and besides, chimneys didn't look like that. I thought about maybe it was a piece of tree or some other debris I hadn't noticed before. Maybe it was a curious animal that had crept up onto the roof now that the racket had died down, and the work light was out. Its shape was upright, though, more like a person's but there was something off about the proportions that made me believe it wasn't a person i thought about how silly i'd feel once i switched the work light back on so that's what i got ready to do but after i'd wedged my sports drink in the roof gutter watching that shape the whole time and got ready to get up and moved a little and spoke nice view isn't it it only gets better it was a strange voice I couldn't tell if it belonged to a man or a woman, a child or an adult. What are you, some kind of squatter? I said. While they're below, I'm above. No one is below yet. So they aren't, I said, alternating between squinting at the figure in the darkness and in the direction of the work light. Still sitting on the edge, I crossed my feet in front of me, all nonchalant-like with my shoes dangling in the dark. I remember my heart was beating like crazy. "'You know the owners of this property?' I said. "'No, but I will.' "'What do you mean? You a property inspector or neighbor or something?' "'No, nothing like that.' There was a note of giddiness to the voice, like it was on the verge of laughter. Trespassing is a serious crime, you know. I know. I'm a pretty big guy, I did a little boxing and wrestling in high school, and I feel I can defend myself rather well in your average barroom brawl, but I felt physically threatened by whoever this was on the rooftop with me in a way I never had before. My vision was adjusting to the darkness and the starlight, and now I could tell that their height was pretty substantial. I'd done a lot of measuring with tape measures and eyeballing lengths and heights as a roofer, so I could say with confidence that guy was at least seven feet tall, maybe taller. Big as they were, I marveled at how they'd gotten on the roof there with me without me noticing. At what point had they gotten on the roof? Listen, I said. If you want to just hang out and watch, that's fine by me. But if the owners knew about it, they'd probably raise cane. You can watch me work for a little while, but then it's probably best to mosey on. You got a ride or anything? Need me to drive you anywhere? I'm not going anywhere. Suit yourself, I said, anger beginning to rise beneath my fear and beneath my surface efforts at staying calm. Don't really want to do this, but I'm going to have to make a phone call. Still sitting on the edge, I'd started to reach into my pocket for my cell. I got a swirl of something coming at me, and my vision must not have adjusted very well yet because the proportions were still off. It was like the hips were too narrow or the other parts too broad, and the head wasn't exactly the right shape. That thing jumped on me fast. I'm talking about fast. Long, heavy limbs wrapped around me from behind, squeezing me so tight I had trouble breathing. I wriggled and struggled and shifted my weight, aware that the wrong move could pitch me over the edge. Why the hell hadn't I gotten up? Why had I been so concerned with pretending to be unbothered? But I couldn't roll out of that hold, not even close. It felt like I was vice-gripped by some strength and material I'd not known about. I was shocked by that strength, and spellbound by my own powerlessness. (sighs) Ugh, I wheezed. Help! I had no idea how close the nearest property was or how well my constrained voice would carry through the woods. felt like it was crushing my damn bones and organs. I couldn't see its face because it was behind me, but I felt hot breath on my neck and could smell something that was like a mix between a rotted animal carcass and a scent or two from this sewage treatment facility I'd worked at for a short time. All foul and chemical, I'd long been one of those church-going folks who went through all the motions, but didn't believe in much of it. I still don't know what I believe, but when I saw headlights coming up the dirt drive, a spasm of hope and faith shot up through me. I think that either the spasm or the headlights scared whoever it was away. The approaching truck belonged to my boss, coming to check on me. When he pulled up and got out to talk to me, he asked if I was getting sick because of the way I sounded. I said that I wasn't feeling too well, but that I probably just needed some rest and asked to go home and report in early on Saturday. I'm pretty sure he must have caught something in my voice because he seemed really worried. He told me to take the weekend off and that they'd be alright finishing without me. I never told my boss what happened. It might seem strange, but I guess I was worried he'd think I was crazy. Before I had gotten in my truck that night, I did tell him to be careful that weekend, and that I'd heard some strange animal noises out in the woods. We've remained friends even though I quit working for him not long after that, and whenever he needs a favor, I usually jump at the opportunity. But I'm not sure who I owe or whether whoever was on the roof with me that night could have really been intimidated by the headlights of a car or by other people. I Followed Some Mushrooms While Hiking, Now I'm Going to Die, written by John Quarosa. It all started with those damned mushrooms. They looked innocent enough, but they're the reason we're in this mess. We should have just kept walking. Anyways, I'll start from the beginning. My name's Ben. I graduated from the University of Wyoming at the top of my class last year. I've never been much of an outdoors person, but when my friends asked me to go hiking with them, I couldn't refuse. My best friend Todd convinced us to camp for a few nights. James, our mutual friend, and Sarah, an aspiring ecologist, both tagged along. On the day of the trip, we all packed ourselves into Todd's surprisingly small SUV and drove out to Bridger-Teton National Park. By the time we got there, it was almost noon. It was weird that nobody else was there, but we did appreciate having the entire place to ourselves. Our backpacks were heavy, but the scenery more than made up for it. As we hiked, Sarah pointed out different mosses, lichen, and something called Artemisia. After hiking for a few more miles, we found a clearing to have lunch in. After a delicious lunch of hot dogs and a sermon about littering from Sarah, we resumed our hike. James, the jock of the group, decided to walk off the trail. He convinced us that it was just harmless fun and that we wouldn't stray too far from the path. Todd complained, but when the rest of us walked off, he had no choice but to follow. We happened to cross a scenic route with a beautiful waterfall surrounded by lush emerald green vegetation. Deer drank from the clear waters and birds chirped from the trees. I pulled out my camera and began taking pictures while James took off his shirt and went for a swim. That's when we saw them, a clump of white mushrooms. We didn't pay much attention at first, seeing as they were just mushrooms, but I did happen to take this photo of them. We decided that we'd had enough fun and we started to head back. Todd noted that we'd gone south from the trail, so after checking his compass, we went north. That's when we realized something was wrong. We hadn't ventured more than half a mile off the trail, but after what felt like four or five miles of hiking, we couldn't find the path. It was already dusk, so we agreed to try to figure out what happened in the morning. While we were setting up our tents, I noticed a few more clusters of mushrooms, but I paid no attention and went to sleep. In the morning, we tried to figure out where we were, but we couldn't find any landmarks. Our phones didn't have service. I noticed the mushrooms were more abundant in one direction, so I decided to investigate. As I walked towards them, I saw more and more clusters, almost as if they were a path leading to something. I told everyone, and we followed them. We shouldn't have followed them. As we continued, we saw more and more mushrooms. Sarah told us that the mushrooms seemed a bit off. They looked like a but with odd black stripes. I'm not sure why, but none of us seemed to care that we were lost in the woods. Mushrooms kept popping up as we walked. Soon, we were walking on a blanket of fungi. We came across a clearing that almost looked like a field of flowers. For some reason, we kept going. We hadn't walked more than a few yards, but when we turned around, we couldn't see any trees. Just mushrooms as far as the eyes could see. Somehow, it was already getting late, and we were tired. We fell asleep after a quick meal. In the morning, we woke up to find a melted pile of plastic where our cooler once was. Multiple mushrooms were inside of it, oozing some sort of green juice. Sarah's tent was partially covered with mushrooms. We packed up our tents, but Sarah was too damaged to bring with us. We kept walking until I became too tired to continue. Sitting on the corrosive mushrooms didn't seem like a good idea, so we laid out a tarp and rationed our remaining food. We only had enough to last us one or two more days, but we did have a small stove and a propane canister. We alternated between walking and resting. The sky was bright, but the sun was nowhere to be found, and the compass we'd brought just spun in circles. After we'd run out of food, James volunteered to eat a mushroom to see what would happen. He reckoned that if we cooked them, they should be alright. I tried to stop him, but he didn't listen. After cooking one of the mushrooms, James prodded it with a tong and cut it in half. See? No liquid. This thing should be fine to eat, he said, throwing it into his mouth. Nothing happened, so we thought it would be alright to eat the mushrooms as long as we'd cooked them. James prepped the stove, well, James grabbed some mushrooms, and soon we'd fill our stomachs. While they tasted bland, we were satisfied that we had some sort of food. A few minutes later, James doubled over, coughing up blood. Before I could get to him, he started vomiting mushroom acid which ate through the tarp. He screamed in agony as more of it oozed out of his eyes and nose, burning his skin and melting him from the inside out. Todd and Sarah and I exchanged worried glances. We knew what was about to happen to us. I looked at my phone and saw my 4G was active. Sarah and Todd both instantly started calling and messaging their friends and loved ones. I sent a goodbye to my boyfriend. Sarah has already melted, and Todd's lying on the ground, whimpering. Take this as a warning. Don't follow. The Mushroom Trail Mermaids Aren't What You Think They Are Written by Chesberger 22 Hey everyone. I am currently sitting in my room recalculating all the events that have happened. I can't believe I had to go through something like this. Let me give you some background before I begin my story. My name is Jake, currently twenty-one, junior year of college. I live in Southern California and still do to this day. I am now living with my uncle in his huge rich house, but I first lived on a beach house where the story begins. It was June twenty fifteen. I was 16 at the time, enjoying my life living in my beach house with my parents. The first event of the story happened on a Friday night when my parents were out on a date. I was in my room playing video games like any other teen boy when I heard a strange noise. It sounded like someone was singing, a woman's voice to be specific. It was beautiful and alluring, but also quite terrifying. You have to hear it to understand. At first, I thought someone was hosting a party or something, but the music was not like anything that would be sung at any party. Plus, what made it more strange was it sounded clear as day, as if I was right next to who or what was producing the sound. I don't know how else to describe it. From what I processed from my brain, it seemed the singing was coming from my boat dock. I forgot to mention that I have a boat dock behind my backyard docked there are my parents' two jet skis and our houseboat, only used for special occasions. The dock is only lit by one warm white overhead light, so when I took a peek out my window, I couldn't see anything. So I just ignored it, and eventually the singing stopped. Little did I know, this would be one of the many encounters I would have. Anyways, my parents soon returned home about half an hour later. I didn't mention what happened to them, as it wasn't really that concerning. Once school rolled around, I went up to my friend, who I will call Ben, for this story. I told him about the singing I heard, and he seemed interested in my story. I think I know what you encountered, he said with an inspired tone. Honestly, I don't know what to tell you, he added. The school day went by as normal, and I returned home with no issues. I was still questioned about what that singing I heard could be, and I tried to listen to the singing when night arrived and recorded on my phone, but nothing came up. So I just went to bed, as I had nothing else to do. Next day at school was nothing special. At lunch, Ben and I met at a table to discuss more about the mystery of that singing I heard. At one point during our conversation, he told me what I possibly encountered the other night. Alright, I know this may sound crazy, but... I think what you heard was a mermaid or siren. I was quite shocked by his bizarre possible answer. How? They don't exist, I questioned. I mean, I know mermaids are mythical creatures and sirens are mermaid-like creatures. Yes, I know they originated as bird-like women, but it changed for some reason. Also, I know there are the people who will say mermaids and sirens aren't the same, and you're correct, but they're practically the same thing. I just didn't think of a siren mermaid when I heard the singing. I thought it was someone hosting a karaoke night, although it just seemed too unnatural for a human to sing in a quality like that. Nevertheless, he did have a point as there have been many reports of people going missing near the Pacific Ocean. The school day is coming to an end, so we packed up all our school supplies and headed out. We both went our separate ways back to our houses, which we both lived in the same rich neighborhood, but he didn't have a beach house like me. Now I know I have to be careful if I were to encounter one of these supposed mermaids. It would be cool for me to discover them, but maybe not now. I should keep my distance. Anyways, fast forward to December, and the melodic singing continued. I tried to find what is producing that wonderful noise, but no luck. Then I thought... If it could possibly be a mermaid and I just ignore them, they will go away. It kind of worked as the melodic singing appeared less and less. However, my thoughts on these wonderful tunes would change for the worst. One chilly, quiet night, I was walking down the sidewalk by the ocean when the familiar singing played in my ears. I wasn't scared, but I stopped and scanned the sea level, trying to seek out a humanoid figure bobbing above the water. After about ten seconds of scanning the ocean, I saw the figure singing in a gesture as if she was calling out to someone. This caught me off guard, and to add to that, there was another figure in the water. A man. What the hell? All of a sudden, the woman dives underwater in a quick motion. This shocked me, and I could tell the man was shocked as well. Then, in a split second, he was dragged underwater. I could see the man's arm flailing around in the water. When he came back up, I heard his agonizing screams. He was quickly brought underwater again. Eventually, his arm stopped flailing and splashed in the water. The woman then popped her head out of the water, grabbed the arm, and put it up to her mouth. The dreadful realization hit me, and I knew her feasting on this man was my distraction to get the hell out of there. I did a 180 and started booking it back to my house. I got back to my house, opened the back door, slammed it shut behind me, and locked it. After locking the door, I began to calm down, gathering my thoughts. "'You okay, son?' my dad's voice echoing from the living room. "'Yeah, just got done with a jog,' I replied. I went to my room and played some video games to get my mind off of it. I knew people would think I'm crazy if I told them that encounter. However, one more encounter happened that made me more aware of these creatures. One dark, chilly, eerie Friday night, my parents told me they were hosting a party at our house, unfortunately only for just their adult friends. At least I didn't get my hopes up too high. They informed me that I didn't have to leave the house and crash in one of my friends' house, which was nice as Ben was out of town visiting his extended family and I didn't know any of the girls that well, and I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable party was going to last until 2am. I could set up our camping tent, but there aren't many locations in my neighborhood to set up the tent. Either I would be on someone else's property or on mine, but would have to deal with a blaring party music. This meant that my only other option was the houseboat by my dock. I didn't mind as I enjoyed being on it, plus my parents installed a router on the boat along with the TV. However, from what has happened, I was having second thoughts but I'm sure I'll be alright. I can play Xbox with my online friends in peace and quiet due to the distance from the dock. So, I grabbed my Xbox, some snacks, water, a pillow, and a blanket, and headed back to the boat informing my parents where I would be. Honestly, I have to say, playing video games on a boat isolated from my house was strangely amazing. At about 11:30 p.m., I thought it would be best to hit the hay, so I turned off the TV and made myself comfortable on the couch. All of a sudden, I just woke up. No reason why I did. I took a peek at the digital clock on the side table by the couch. The time read 2.30 a.m. The thing was, music from my house was still blasting and beating on my eardrums. But why? The party should have ended half an hour ago. Maybe my parents extended it or something. So to find my answer, I got up from the comfortable soft couch and made my way to the front door of the houseboat. I took a peek through the window and said to myself, what the hell? My entire house was completely dark outside of the light by the pantry. and makes no sense as I could still hear music running through my ears. However, the music didn't sound like party music. I listened for a bit and red flags started to pop up in my head as I heard the same melodic singing from the previous nights. What made the situation more concerning was the fact that I heard multiple voices coming from outside. Now, to be fair, I wasn't on high alert, but I was starting to get fed up with this. All of a sudden, the boat started to rock back and forth. The rocking was so intense, it felt like the boat was getting hit by a tsunami. However, there was no storm outside. It kept getting so intense the boat started to submerge underwater. I was pissing my pants at this point. I got on the ground and hid behind the couch, even though it probably wasn't the smartest idea. Eventually, the rocking stopped a couple minutes later. The good news was nothing on the interior was damaged, although the boat looked like a dump. I couldn't tell if there was any exterior damage. I regained my composure when I heard giggling coming outside the boat. Anger took over my emotions and knew someone was messing with me. It couldn't be a human who caused the rocking, as a human can't cause that intense of a rocking. Unfortunately, I didn't have a weapon to show threat, so I decided to go outside and confront whoever was outside making that giggling. I shoved the front door of the boat open and walked out into the lower deck. I couldn't see anything, and the giggling had all of a sudden ceased. Okay, that's it, I thought to myself. There was no way I could turn on the deck light from the outside, which, then again, I should have had second thoughts on staying inside and just looking out the front deck window. So the only thing I could think of doing was to grab my phone, bring up the camera, turn on the flash, and take a picture to only give my position away for a split second, not to take an actual picture. The front lower deck and a part of the ocean was lit up by the flash of my phone as the phone captured the image. After the picture was taken, what I saw for the briefest second was a bunch of human-sized fishtails in many colors and shapes in a scaly-like pattern. I froze in fear as I heard haunting giggling simultaneously, confirming there were multiple of these creatures. I quickly ran back into the houseboat, locked the door, and covered myself under my blankets like a kid trying to hide from the monster in their closet. The color was draining from my body, like if I was an ice cube melting. I stayed there stiff as a board until I fell asleep. I woke up to the orange dawn sunlight shining into the living room of the boat. The time was 8.15am from looking at the digital clock. I couldn't believe I had fallen asleep from the incident that happened last night. I was still a bit paranoid about what happened so I decided to search the boat to see if anything was wrong. After about five minutes of looking around as this wasn't that large of a houseboat, I found nothing out of the ordinary. I was starting to get pretty ravenous so I left the boat and made my way back to my house. I opened the back door and was greeted by my parents sitting at our kitchen island sipping some coffee and my dad reading the newspaper. My mom heard me sliding the back door open and turned her head to look at me. Good morning, Jake, she greeted in a cheerful voice. You too, Mom, I replied back. How was the party, I asked. Oh, it was great. All of us had the time of our lives. We were a bit worried about you, though, she answered, while proceeding to serve me a French toast and some OJ. I sat down at the island and began to feast on my French toast and OJ. Once I finished, I cleaned out my plate and headed upstairs to relax a bit as I was still recovering from what I witnessed last night. Nothing else happened the rest of the weekend, but the melodic singing continued to happen more frequently to the point where it would happen every other night. From this point on, I just simply ignored all of the singing and avoided the ocean at all costs, hoping at one point they would go away. That didn't happen, of course, but I don't want to see one of those monsters again. They will get bored. I just have to be patient. Once school came around, I couldn't wait to disclose to Ben about everything, and that's exactly what I did when I found Ben at lunch. After I told all my recent encounters, he was visibly freaked out. Dude, we need to somehow stop all of this. All of this is starting to get completely ridiculous and insane, he said in a worried tone. No, I'm not speaking to any of those monsters, I replied. There's no way I'm going to get these things off my back and away from my life, I added. Look, you're just overreacting, Ben persuaded. You're right, I complied. I just need to forget about it and everything should go back to normal. But I prepared myself just in case, plus I might be able to scare her and whatever it was, even if it was a mermaid. Another school day crossed the horizon again and had somewhat put the event that happened last weekend behind my back. What was strange was that I didn't see Ben throughout the entire school day. In fact, I didn't see him for the next few days. I tried contacting him multiple times, but he never responded. On Friday, he returned to school, but was different than he usually is. What I mean by that is, when I saw him, he was sitting alone on a bench. I went over to comfort him. Hey Ben, I said while approaching him. He turned to look at me and had this look of trauma in his eyes. Then I noticed he had a massive bandage around his right leg. "'Oh, I see you had an injury,' I commented. "'Yeah, but it wasn't my fault,' he responded. "'What do you mean?' I asked in a curious and concerned voice. "'Well, let's just say you were right,' he answered. I still didn't understand, but listened to his story. So, I was chilling in my house watching some Netflix when I heard a noise coming from my backyard. It sounded like someone was singing, but not like any singing voice I've ever heard. It was starting to get annoying after three minutes, so I had to find out who was singing. The voice was clearly human, but it didn't seem like a human that has the ability to sing in a high quality. So I went outside and began searching my backyard. Once I took a glance in my pool, I saw a humanoid figure bobbing up and down in my pool. Now, at first, I was pretty angered by this, as someone was trespassing on my family's property. So I marched over to the figure and screamed, Hey, what are you doing in my swimming pool? The figure stopped singing and spun their head in my direction. As I got closer and closer to the pool, the figure was revealed to me more. I got to the pool deck and continued to scream at whoever this was to get off my property, when, all of a sudden, I saw the figure's lower body, a human-sized fishtail. I tensed up in terror as I tried to make a mad dash for the back door, but the mermaid caught on and snatched my leg and dragged me into the pool. I frantically flailed around in the water, trying to escape when I felt a sharp pain in my leg. I screamed so loud that it caught some attention. I saw my next-door neighbor turn on his bedroom light and saw him peeking through his window. His figure quickly ran away from his window, Another sharp pain pierced through my skin. I felt weak, I felt like I was going to die. Then I heard a gunshot echo from across the yard. An ear-piercing scream filled my ears. However, the grasp was loose on my leg and I was able to escape the pool and crawled onto my patio. I lay down on my back as I saw a figure spiriting off into the darkness after hopping over my fence. My next-door neighbor quickly came over to me and called 911. I was rushed over to the hospital, where I met my parents as they were hanging out with some of their friends. The sight of my parents made me feel so much better after what happened. When I saw my injury, I was horrified. It was some bite marks of what appeared to take the shape of sharp teeth. Not the size of a small fish, but not the size of a shark. I was bandaged and sat in the hospital for a couple days until I was released. doctor said I was attacked by some large fish, but I believe it was a mermaid. I became terrified after hearing his story. How did she get to your pool? I thought they could only live in the ocean, I said in a confusing voice. Well, in some stories they are able to travel on land by either shaving off their tails or shape-shifting their tails into human legs and act like humans. Many red flags were going off in my head. I can only imagine the possibilities of these creatures attacking the humans. We got through the rest of the school day with ease and I decided to leave him alone to recover from his incident. It was all over the news in our community but officials don't know what caused the bite marks. Ben didn't say his theory because he was worried that people would think he's insane. Fast forward a few weeks, and I was starting to forget about the incidents. Staying away from the ocean seemed to have worked. However, I could still hear the singing coming from outside. It was more terrifying whenever I went on nightly walks around my neighborhood. I would glance around my surroundings, making sure none of these creatures would sneak up behind me. Unfortunately, the incidents would start again, but... Thankfully, this was the last one. So it all started with me walking down one of the blocks near my house. I was making my way back to the house when I was greeted by a group of figures standing on the sidewalk as if they were waiting for me after rounding an intersection. I stopped in my tracks, but not on high alert. The figures began moving towards me, which I can now recognize they were a group of women. I would say around in their 20s. They had sinister grins on their faces as if I was fresh steak. I was so confused about their weird behavior. They eventually came within personal space distance and then they all stood still, stiff as a bunch of boards. Uh, is something wrong? I asked. All of a sudden, two of the women lunged at me. They grabbed me as I fell back onto the concrete. I regained my composure and saw all the women staring at me. They smiled with their teeth showing, which were very sharp and resembled the shape of fish teeth. A dreadful force hit me as I realized what was in front of me. They began to pull me down the street and towards the ocean. I knew what they were doing and I will be a dead man when we reach the ocean. I don't know why, they could have just finished me off right then and there, but I guess they didn't want to have any witnesses. However, I knew I could get out of this. I had to be strong. I glanced around to see if I could find something to use as a weapon. I noticed a stick laying down in the road. I scooped it up and slashed at one of the mermaids in an aggressive motion. Her screams filled my ears, but I had to ignore it as best as possible. However, the realization of me harming one of the mermaids triggered the others to attack me. One of them pinned my arm down and took a bite into it, sinking its sharp teeth deep into my skin and flesh, the pain was brutal, but I had to take it in order to escape. The good thing was she bit the arm that didn't occupy the stick in my hand, so I took advantage of that and stabbed the mermaid in her stomach. Her scream was worse than the one before. She let go of me, and with the distraction from the others, I was able to conquer their supernatural strength, rose to my feet, and bolted for my house. My left arm was dangling, but my life was all I cared about. I could hear footsteps from behind me, keeping pace at a terrifying speed. I rounded a T-junction and saw my house. I used the rest of my stamina to make it to the safety of my house. Once I arrived in my house, I turned around to see if I was being chased, but nothing was there. Then I heard the familiar singing off in the distance, but I knew better and quickly ran inside my house. And last, I felt safe. At this point, I was done with this whole supposed mermaid crap, so I finally dialed 911, which I should have done a long time ago. About 15 minutes later, two cop cars arrived at my house. It felt amazing hearing those blaring sirens traveling down the street, telling me I'm safe. I told everything to the cops, which felt like I was giving a high school graduation speech because of how much information I gave them. After I told the cops everything, they all gave me facial expressions as if they believed me. Two of the cops then patrolled the neighborhood, while the other one stayed to ask me questions. Twenty minutes later, the second cop comes back, and just my luck, nothing turns up. Everyone I informed them about were gone. They also didn't find anything that seemed odd. The cops thanked me for my statement. They got into their cars and left. I watched the lights disappear into the darkness at midnight as they rounded a corner. Once the cops were gone, I went to the bathroom and wrapped myself in a bandage. It actually was that bad of an injury because of my quick reaction, but it was still a good one. I should have called my parents first, but I guess I didn't think of that at the time. Afterwards I crashed right into my bed. I didn't care. I just wanted to get some sleep and forget about what happened. I had some trouble falling into a deep slumber as I was still recovering from this insane incident. I eventually fell asleep. The next Monday morning, I woke up with the dawn sunlight consuming my room. The house was just silent outside of the typical AC unit. I guess my parents already had to go to work. My theory was soon confirmed when I saw a note on the counter. I made my breakfast, ate it, and hopped on the bus when it arrived at my block. I arrived at school and told Ben the whole incident, and he immediately felt sympathy for me. When I got home, my parents soon informed me that they were moving to a new house. It was near my uncle's mansion, but it didn't have enough room to support the three of us, as it was the only house that was available. During this time period, I was slowly but surely moving in with my uncle in his rich upstate mansion. I wanted to move up there for a long time, as the closeness to my parents was decreasing over the past few years. By the end of the school year, everything of mine was out of my beach house. The houseboat and jet skis are now stored in a private shed at a nearby public dock. Fast forward to today, it's been almost five years since the last incident, and I want that number to keep growing. Ben and I are still best friends to this day, and we both go to the same college. I've been able to go back to my normal life. I haven't mentioned a single thing about it to my parents, nor my uncle, as they probably think I'm insane. And that's pretty much it. I'm sitting here in my desk boasting this story to see if someone has had a similar experience, though the chances of that are slim to none. So even though this may never happen, if you come across a melodic singing voice, stand your ground and be careful, because I'm telling you, mermaids aren't what you think they are. Disney has lied to you. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description, and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash clancypastastore. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers.